0: Okay, so hello and welcome to Two Feet Apart with me, your host, Paigey Patra. So today's episode is called Growing Up Black, and we'll be talking a little bit about kind of how I found out I was black because I didn't actually know off the hop and some of the things that came along with that and what that looked like for me growing up. So, for me, I grew up in a house with my mom, dad, younger brother, and older sister. And the thing is, and we'll get into this a little bit more in future episodes, my older sister has a different dad than I do, and my younger brother's dad is the one that I'll be referring to as dad, but realistically he adopted me when I was about five years old. Um, and so, biologically... Uh, the genetics obviously just aren't there so my younger brother is half Dutch because that's what dad is and my older sister is half Caribbean because that's what her father is Um, and our mom is Austrian so my biological father um, who I will throughout this series be referring to and I would just refer to him as father um, he is Sierra Leonean So, out of the three of us, I was always the darkest skinned one. And, you know, that's never something you really realize, like subconsciously give due. Uh my mom tells stories of you know my older sisters lighter than me so when I found out she was pregnant I was anticipating the baby being darker than me because I thought that was just kind of like the pattern of our family and that baby turned out real white so <laughs> that's not really how that went um, and I remember you know at this point we lived in northern BC um when he was born and then we moved down to mission bc which is just about an hour outside of vancouver um and i remember i often got bullied for being the only black person in my class and you know people would say that and i would get so defensive and i'd be like listen i'm not black like if anything my skin's a little bit brown but i'm not black so you know bullying me is out of place here and you know I would come home and I would you know tell my parents what they were saying and I remember my mom went this one time my mom kind of sat me down and well actually specifically she picked me up and she put me on the kitchen counter and that way we were closer to eye level and she just said you know you are black and I was like mm, I think you all are getting this a little wrong because if you look around there's not many black people so I obviously can't be one and she then explained to me that uh that my dad was not my biological dad and that he had adopted me and at that point um you know he had adopted me for I guess it would have been two to three years at that point. And it just felt like, you know when you're little, like it just felt like that had been my forever and it wasn't just like a, an additional character in my story, it was like he was kind of always there. And him and I were and are extremely close, and so I remember just being heartbroken um, knowing that genetically he wasn't my father and that I had to go back to school and kind of admit like, okay, yeah, I might be black, but, you know, and that ended up being like a, a narrative for my life almost, especially in those younger ages and growing up, it was a lot of racism, just straight up racism. And, you know, there was one point um, you know, when you reach that age where your mom just stops doing your hair and you have to do it yourself. And, you know, so (laughs) there might have been a situation where a friend of mine had cut a chunk of my hair during lunchtime at school when we snuck out to her house. And uh, when I came home, my mom was so mad. And I guess I wouldn't say it was revenge, but she ended up cutting my hair real short in an excuse to even it out. And you know, we all have that like scarring haircut. Well, this was one of mine. And unfortunately I have to say one of because there were many more. Um, But anyway, I remember going back to school and obviously now my hair was too short to put into ponytails or pigtails or braid or do anything fun with. and I remember kids would just call me poodle and I know that they're a really cute dog and that shouldn't be insulting but it was and it was really hurtful and they would call me like I was a dog like patting on their legs and you know saying here girl come here uh and just stuff like that and it was really hurtful and so after that we At that point, we were living uh, just outside of Calgary, and so we only lived there for maybe a year, and shortly after we moved to Southern Ontario, and I remembered, I was like, when I'm starting this new school, nobody's going to know what my natural hair looks like, because, you know, they don't need to know that black people have curly hair because there's not that many of us. And uh, so I started this new school and I started dying my hair. This is like grade seven, okay? Uh, so I was dyeing my hair. I, You know how you can get that sun in stuff that's got like lemon extract or something and when you go in the sun, it brightens your hair. And so if you're blonde, you go blonder. Well, if you have dark hair, you go like a reddish so i had that for a bit and then uh you know i started going to a hairdresser and i went that beyonce golden tone and additionally with that i straightened it every single day and you know sometimes it most of the time it was like full head uh but sometimes if I was running late or if it was like raining outside or, you know, something, it would just be like a large chunk of my bangs that I would leave out and the rest would be in like this curly ponytail. And I just pretend that, you know, if you're looking at me from the front, you just see the straightened bangs out and that's what it was. The rest just didn't really exist. And... Uh, and so that was a thing. And, you know, I had this hairdresser. I don't see her anymore. Um, honestly, she, my mom still goes to her and she does a wonderful job with my mom. Um, but with me, you know, I'd go in there and she'd make it a lot more blonde or brighter than I had envisioned. Um And then, you know, for cutting my hair, she would always cut it every time I went in to dye it, which was fairly often. And she would soak it wet and pull it straight and cut it with scissors. And then would give it a blowout and straighten it for me, which was always lovely because I could never get my hair that silky. But then realistically, that is not how you cut curls. And if anyone with curly hair is listening to this, they're probably like oh my goodness, because yeah, that's just not what you do. Um, And so, you know, the curl pattern was just kind of destroyed. Um, There was the hair straightening every day. I would also chemically straighten it every so often just to kind of give it that boost so it was extra straight. times that it wasn't straightened, it was braided. And it was like this consistently and consistently until college. I remember, I think it was first year, it was near the end of first year, and I had a friend. um, And, you know, he was like my best guy friend. And, he the one day after I unbraided my hair I was texting him and I was like I'm way too tired to straighten this and it needs to be dyed and all this and he's like well why don't you just wear it out curly and I was like what do you mean like in public uh and he kind of encouraged it and I did and I mean at the time it was short it was honestly not much longer than that really bad sixth grade haircut um And, you know, I just started growing it out and growing, like, this passion for, like, Big curly hair because I might not have length, but I sure as hell have a lot of volume, and so that kind of became the thing, and it became my way of expressing myself and associating my identity with it. Um, and honestly, to this day, it's something I still struggle with. Like I love my natural curls, but you know, people will say like, "Oh, how long's your hair?" and I'm like, "Well, what hairstyle are we talking? Because if it's straightened," it's just past my shoulders uh if it's curly and like not much product in it it's like at my shoulders but if it's curly with a lot of product in it it's like real short like just past my ears kind of rounded around the top young Hillary Banks kind of vibe um and so honestly it just ranges and um, one side note, I did want to include, cause I had posted about this on Instagram and I had gotten a surprising amount of feedback is that if you see a little black child in public with their hair done and taken care of, I guarantee you there was some sort of battle, whether it was the parent battling with their hair or a hairstylist or them trying to do it. Um, And even people I know that grew up in black households with black hair struggle with it. So just compliment them. It doesn't matter if you're white. It doesn't matter if you're Asian or yellow or purple or whatever you might be. Um, Those compliments are always held very highly. So then there was racism that I faced in the career world. And, you know, even when I was... Like early 20s, kind of thing. Um, one of these situations happened last year, the other was a couple years ago. But uh, so I remember I got um, an interview for this job as a hostess at a local fancy restaurant, and I was really excited because I'm a very personable and outgoing individual, and so, you know, I thought I would do well, and I like the fast pace and all this, and so we're sitting there for my orientation, and he's like, you know, just uh, letting you know we require all staff to have their hair straightened and worn down every day for their shifts, and I looked around, and the entire staff is white women. And so I looked at him and I said, okay, I understand. However, my hair is not naturally straight and it would be very time consuming and damaging to have to straighten it every single day before my shift. And he said, well, that's, that's the dress code. And I was like, well, what if I wear it down curly? And he said, no, uh, you know, so I ended up walking away and saying, thank you, but I don't think that I'm the candidate that you're looking for, um, but it's things like that. Like, why can't we all just wear our natural hair? Um, it's not that the the restaurant has a specific vibe or anything like that. Um, you know, some of these ladies had multitudes of colors of hair and length and all of this. And honestly, it's just if you require someone to change a natural trait of themselves and on their body to fit in with your establishment, that's discrimination. Um, and the other situation was fairly recently, and uh, it was I had interviewed for a job and I had walked in, and she was like looking at my name. And, you know, my last name is Dutch because I have my dad's last name. And she looked up and she's like, where are you from? And I was like, "Mm, Canada. And she's no, like, where are you from ethnically? Well, I still just said Canada. Uh, And she was like, oh, well, what's your religion? Um... I'm sorry, where's HR? Uh, I didn't actually say anything because I had really wanted this job and it was close to home. It had really good benefits. Um, at the time I was preparing to have my husband immigrate here. And so, you know, I would be supporting both of us and we would both need full benefits and that kind of thing. And, uh, so that was my priority and I was like listen like I need this job so I'm just gonna suck it up I'll take the the inappropriate questions and just kind of deal with it um ultimately I did not continue with the job but that was like another experience and I remember like telling my friend afterwards and I was like oh yeah it's a little bit weird and she's like no that's like straight up illegal like you can't ask that in a job interview um but, you know, it is what it is. And these are things that we face. And another thing that I've encountered a lot recently. Well, I'd say recently, but it's not. So it's kind of layered. Um, but, you know, dating as a black woman and i remember dating in college and high school and guys would be like well i've never been with a black woman before like as if that's supposed to make me be like oh honey let me change your mind um it's not and it's not appealing i don't want to be your first i don't want to be something you check off your bucket list i don't want to be a fetish i don't want my skin tone to be a fetish for you um if you want me I want you to want me for me and for you know my curves and my body and the way I make you feel I don't want you to want me because my skin's a little bit darker and you want to see what other things might be colored um and you know I've had guys just ask wildly inappropriate questions about it and uh And so that was more my experience in like high school and college. And now I find that my experience with dating as a black woman since separating from my husband has been a lot more almost violent and almost like rooted in hatred. And um, so, for example, I had this one gentleman and, you know, we hadn't matched On Tinder. I was on Tinder. And uh, so we hadn't matched, but he used my name to find me on other social media platforms and was talking to me. And I was like, you know what? He seems nice. You know, he slid into the DMs, took a shot. I'll give him a chance. And, you know, so we were talking for a little bit and he had asked what I was looking for. And I said, you know, I'm just taking time to start getting back into dating so I don't want anything serious off the hop um you know I'm trying to focus on work and building myself and he said well you know I'm really keen on a relationship but you seem like you're worth waiting for so I'll give it the chance and you know just let me prove myself to you and don't don't just kind of dismiss me and I was like okay well we'll see like you know and so we were talking um Yeah, we were talking like on a daily basis. He was really kind, really sweet. And then, you know, the one day he had asked if I wanted to go out for a drink because I had posted that I was all dressed up and looking cute. And uh, I said, you know, actually, I'm just heading out. It's my friend's birthday. So I'm taking her for a drink. And the response. Like we all know that some men just don't respond to rejection well and they get so angry and mean. And, you know, there comes the name calling and all of this. But with him, it was very you know, he used the N-word with the hard ER. And not once, but I believe several times throughout the massive paragraph about how he hates black women and how we're all the same and were dirty and disgusting and filthy and all this and you know obviously at first it was the shock and you know I was I was upset by it and but then I thought about it and it almost grew into like a little bit of a fear now because it's like well what if I you know wasn't going out with my friend and I would have gone out with him and you know things have gone great because when you know when we were talking he was very kind and very thoughtful Um, and you know what if things would have progressed and down the line we're dating and then something goes wrong and we're in a fight and this hatred for black women that was buried under rejection just would have come out and so you know that wasn't that was I think like two or three weeks ago and so you know it's not like I'm scared of dating or that I believe that he wanted to hurt me for being a black woman but knowing that he had the hatred for women of color and felt as though he was extending me a courtesy by wanting to date me. Um, And just having the capability and the accessibility to do harmful things and say hurtful things um, is just something that You know, it still blows my mind that we have to deal with that. Like it is 2019, you know, two or three weeks after this episode comes out, it's going to be 2020 and there are still people holding such high hatred in their heart for people of color. And, you know, if you want to hate me because of something I do or something I say, or maybe you just don't like my energy in the first place, then go ahead by all means, But don't blame it on my skin color. Don't blame it on my race. Don't blame it on things that I ultimately have no control of. I wanted to be able to give you guys a full and dynamic opinion on this because obviously I only have my experiences to base all of this off of. So I did ask my sister Jordan to send me a little audio clip about some of her experiences and I'm going to play it right now.
1: Hey guys, thanks for listening. Uh, My name is Jordan and I'm Patra's sister. So growing up, I don't know if you can say that I've grown up, but for the sake of this podcast I can say I did. (laughs) Uh, So I grew up in a small town in southern Alberta and as a minority in a small town it was challenging you know. The town I grew up in was like 7,500 people so pretty small. And it became difficult when uh, many of those people around you are uneducated about people of different cultures, because they have not been exposed. So, uh, when I talk about exposure, uh, that I'm talking that I was it, I was that exposure. Uh, so we were like one of the only two black families in the whole town that I knew of, uh, the only one in my grades. So yeah, uh, growing up there, uh, there's a lot of assumptions made by people around me so maybe they're just naive but I always hear like where are you from oh you look latino you know oh your dad you're white on the inside you know I like always hear oh you're my token black friend but like I was just thinking at least I won something (laughs) uh I was never given a token though so there's that and then uh came the racial jokes you know uh, they were always said, always, uh, learning about slavery, you'd always get, like, the whole class looking at you, waiting for a reaction, all eyes on you, uh, I learned that I couldn't fight the masses, uh, you know, you'd get these jokes thrown at you and you just couldn't fight, couldn't fight back, you, uh, kind of had to learn to suppress those feelings and learn that, that feeling of, like, being inadequate to my peers, it was, kind of became a norm, so I'd, uh, fake the laugh and even deep down inside like you know it wasn't okay or like some of those jokes were like pretty big jokes so it hurt but you already don't uh fit in based on something you couldn't change so you kind of needed to like accept it or you'd outcast yourself further um the misconceptions that like some older generations hold to this day uh they never stopped me from having endless questions like thrown my way so like one time I was asked, did you come to Canada to learn English? And I'm like, I've been talking to you in perfect English with my Canadian accent for the last 20 minutes, Susan. Just just, just kidding. But you know, like just a lot of questions about where you come from, and oh, you must be in Canada as like an immigrant, and how long have you lived in Canada? And it's like, people don't realize that people of color can be born of in Canada too like mind blown right uh also like shopping trips so we go to the grocery store and it was always a blast because my mom would get asked like where she picked her kids from like you can just choose that right like oh this one's from africa gotta take that kid in no uh like people would always say oh they must be adopted where did they come from well you know we like came from her vagina (laughs) <laughs> just just mind blown that like some white female Caucasian mom can have three black kids uh, this is just always a always a always a topic of discussion when we went out into public um, I remember one time my my dad had come to our school to talk to our principal, see how our grades were doing, and I swear every every uh Every head in my school just turned looking into everyone's like, Oh, that must be Jordan's dad. Jordan, is that your dad? Is that your dad? Like yeah, yeah. The only black <laughs> the only black parent walking into the school. So I mean growing up it was always difficult because uh no one kind of really understood where you were coming from. Uh no one understood how to do your hair. Uh I know my mom would take me to like hairdressers, the one black hairdresser in, like, the city that was 10-minute drive away um, just to get my hair braided, or, like, finding random people. I remember one time I was at a track and field meet, and uh, there were some girls. They had their hair in, like, braids or extensions, and I remember I just had the confidence to walk up to them and be like, where'd you get your hair done? Can I, like, get their number, blah, 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 just so I could get my hair done? Um, it was always always difficult to uh, find people that kind of understood the struggle of being uh, a minority in a white town. Um, a lot of times, people didn't really understand you, right? They didn't understand where you were coming from. Culturally, like not being immersed in like your culture um again my mom was caucasian so you'd uh not really understand like the impact of being like black um i know one time our aunt came to our house and we went to the grocery store to pick up some groceries and some lady legitimately legitimately rubbed her arm and was like your skin is so smooth And I'm like, are you kidding me? Like, that's inappropriate. But I guess people don't understand that when they haven't been exposed to uh, cultures or race. So a lot of the time, I was just kind of educating people. Um, But then again, like I said, suppressing those, like, feelings that, you know, people make... fun of, like, black people, or they talk about, like, oh, newcomers or immigrants come to this country, and then they'd look at you and be like, oh, we're not talking about you, and so uh, you always kind of stood out in the crowd, always have those stereotypes thrown at you, so I had to make sure I was good at basketball, because if I wasn't, you know, I was not meeting those stereotypes that people were thinking about. Uh, one time in high school basketball, we went to this one uh, one really smaller town in my town. And uh, this one girl was like, oh, they got a black girl on the team. They're going to win. And I'm like, man, I got to step up my game now. You better, better win because it's the stereotype out there. So it's like trying not to live up to those stereotypes. But again, just making sure that uh, you're... You know, like, trying to find yourself. Think think that was a lot of my childhood. It was, like, trying to find where you fit in um, and then who you truly are. Because you got one side of you that's this culture, this different hair, um, just a different, like, you want to, like, know where you come from. And then this other side of you that has friends that are, like, all uh, kind of the same um they can share makeup we can't share makeup when my skin's darker I can't wear no beige colored cover-up you know so uh you just like have those friend groups that are making these jokes that are looking at you in class when uh historical events come up that your your culture is kind of a part of and then uh you got the side of you that like longs for knowing where you came from and your own cultural differences so again it's challenging cuz growing up even in that small town there's a lot of older people that as i think a lot of us know um older generations have older views on things so just trying to i guess appease the appease the audience but um yeah so it's just difficult um meeting these criteria and having like a kind of identity crisis um, throughout your life where you know you're different, you can see it, but then just like trying to build that understanding of where you came from. And frankly, a lot of what
0: Jordan is saying is something that totally resonates with me and I'm sure many other people as well. I know this episode wasn't super light and airy and fun and all of that, but I think it's really important for people to be mindful of these kind of situations and these experiences that some people have growing up that you may not be knowledgeable about and you just may not be exposed to. So thank you so much for tuning in and listening. And I hope that you learned something, even if it was just that you're not alone in these experiences. I am really looking forward to the rest of this podcast being released. So please stay tuned for the upcoming episodes and feel free to tell me what you think and make sure that you interact with me online. You can find me on my personal page at or the brand's page at Two Feet Apart, both on Instagram. Two feet apart is TWO, not the number. And I hope you have a fabulous day.